Hey guys, uh, welcome to the return of the Midnight Mystics. And on today's episode, we are going to be reviewing the movie Neverending Story from 1983. Neverending Story is a surrealist film that depicts young Bastion as a curious, sort of like nerdy kid who gets bullied around. And um, he finds his solace in the escapism that is fantasy fiction. So he gets hooked into a taboo story called the Neverending Story. And it sucks him right into the story. If you haven't seen The NeverEnding Story, uh, press pause right now or after you watch The NeverEnding Story, give this a listen. If you have seen The NeverEnding Story uh, since it was released in 1983 and want a little follow-up dialogue, uh, this is the perfect place where we're going to be talking all about the movie The NeverEnding Story for the next close to two hours. So buckle up and... uh, and I hope you like deep philosophy. Enjoy this conversation about the film, The NeverEnding Story. And we'll be back next week with more coverage of The Midnight Gospel. I, I, I can remember clearly seeing that film when I was like seven years old. Oh, wow. wow. And, I, and I've seen it multiple, like a lot of times since then. I think the last time I saw it was like three years ago. I tried to revisit it every couple of years. But um, the last time I saw it, I remember just being like, there's no way I understood any of this as a kid. Yeah, same. I was like, way over my, you know, yeah. I, the only part I ever remembered was Falcor. Like, I just remembered that that was a thing, but I, I didn't remember anything about him or, you know, I didn't even remember he could talk. Right? Yeah. He, uh, I think um, children fall in love with iconic characters like Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse and Falcor is definitely one of those where it's just like oh yeah I kind of remember I kind of remember that never ending story that big white <laughs> yeah. dog right dog dragon dragon <laughs> dog, dog dragon luck dragon you know but basically a dog dragon yeah. so, wow a little push in the right direction definitely yeah I'm, I was inspired myself just seeing the uh the designs of the costumes and all of the different um you know beings uh the people with the multiple faces in like the ballroom scenes like i was like wow you know kind of inspiring to yeah hey tara hey hi tara good to see you you too Um, were you able to watch the movie okay yeah i had to go back and rewatch um the like pretty much the whole southern oracle part and the part that came right after that, but we're good. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> uh, was that your first time that you know of watching the movie? Or do you remember having seen it before? Um, I, I thought that I had seen it before, but I don't ever remember watching it. I think there's another movie that I was thinking of hmm. that is not this at all. <laughs> so I think this was the first time, but it was really good. Yeah. Um, I liked 1984. It. This is uh, 1984. Yeah, that's when it came out. Oh, that's crazy! Wow, killer graphics yeah. for 84. I know, yeah, for 1984, <laughs> the, the the cloud graphics. Yeah, I think they did that with like uh, sand and you know particulate kind of stuff and water to make it look like uh, you know the nothing. Yeah, pretty dope. Wow. <laughs> I, I I definitely watch some of the puppetry and go, these are definitely real creatures, like. Like I, I, it's easy for me to forget that I'm watching non-real things. Mm-hmm. Well, Fantasia is human fantasy, right? The totally. land of human fantasy. So 
You're right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like that. That was kind of just like the basic summation of it. Yeah, Fantasia being the world of fantasy. Yeah, there's no boundaries. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. And I like how it kind of like broke the fourth wall twice, you know? Um, and I guess, yeah, spoilers to anybody listening. Who <laughs> <laughs> um, but for sure, yeah, just like, uh, and because apparently it was a book too, like before it was a movie. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then like the movie adaptation of a book, so it's already meta. And then they include us in the story by saying, and even there are people that are listening to him as he is listening to us, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm double break of the fourth wall so you know pretty cool love it yeah, yeah it's, go ahead yeah it was uh i mean i don't know you guys i i, I have a difficult time believing that that movie was made in 1984 it seems like so highly conscious and while it's still like campy and cheesy like parts of it uh, especially Bastion being like, it's not real. It can't be real. Uh, it's um, it's so sincere. Like the acting and everything in the film, it's like very, there's something genuine about the, the nature of the characters. Just like they're not these two dimensional, like flat things. They're, they're, their responses are very earnest. And uh, I, I just love everything about this movie. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm just going to go back <laughs> Seeing one of yeah. my favorite movies. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. What were yeah. you gonna say, Atara? I don't really remember. The movie was great. <laughs> like, that's probably what I was gonna say. Um, I took like six pages of notes. <laughs> All right, you can host this one because I didn't take any notes. What do you got? <laughs> you didn't? What? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I pretty much just went from like start to finish, and then like took notes back on the parts that I watched, and it's so interesting because. The reason I had to rewatch those parts was because um, someone was messaging me about something that was really important. So I needed to I needed to tend to that, and I totally missed those parts first. And then I had to go back and rewatch them, and like that was almost like the epitome of the whole movie was in those parts. So it was it was super interesting. Yeah, definitely high spoiler alerts. <laughs> we should put that in the very beginning. Um, yeah, yeah I, I thought it was really interesting. So once I finished the movie, I like um, kind of just like went through a summary in my head and yeah, it was really interesting how, you know, in the beginning they sort of preface it with he's in the midst of his mom had just passed away and his dad is like in sort of like business as usual mode, doesn't really, you know, it's, it's clear that he doesn't really have time to like tend to his son's emotions, but his son is like feeling so many types of ways. And um, his dad's just kind of on him for needing to do what he needs to do for school and whatever. And um, it kind of just pushes this, his name's Bastion, right? It kind of pushes him back into uh, a place where he's just like recognizing that he doesn't really have, uh, he doesn't really have what he's looking for right then. So then he goes looking for something and he just goes, or maybe he's going to school or something. But um, yeah, he ends up like going into the city and then running into that bookstore. And that scene was super interesting. That scene gave me like, that scene I felt like the whole, the whole thing is so genius, but that scene really started like introducing the mystic part to the whole movie. And um, that was like, that was super interesting. And I just, I love the way that whole scene played out because 
you know, the, the librarian did it so perfectly to where he like, I, you know, he knew the boy was going to rebel and grab the book. <laughs> so like, it was, it was just all so perfect. And then the, all of the metaphors throughout the whole thing, him actually like being, you know, the, the story he's reading in the book actually being a direct reflection of him and what's going on within him. And the whole, the whole journey in um, what Atreyu goes through, but like in the summary, I kind of wrote that Bastion is in more of like an emotional, spiritual journey and then, um, and sort of like mental too. And then Atreyu is in more so like, you know, the spiritual, but also emotional and mental as well and physical, like very physical in his because he's acting out the story. So it it was a really good play of just all these different elements coming together. And I really like the mirror metaphors because <laughs> we know how those play out in life. <laughs> so that was super cool. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have too many questions currently. I'm kind of just like reflecting on the whole thing because there's so many different elements it's it was so good and then to have it dubbed as like this real life human and what he's going through and then this mythical character and what he's going through and then being different but also the same <laughs> mm -hmm. it's um yeah i think it's uh i think you touch on something really interesting i i can see bastion as being the mental the mental realm of everything like super nerdy super into books super kind of like in his own head like not mm -hmm. wanting to show up to the math class kind of mm -hmm. thing and like hiding from himself and hiding from his peers and hiding from the outside world and getting lost in fiction in all of these heroes um, a lot of the books he read there was like all these heroes and he wants to be the warrior and then i see atreyu as like the true yearning of his heart's passion like that that true like inner dormant warrior essence the fearlessness that resides within that's obviously the opposite actually of what he's experiencing and it's like when um when uh i forget his name they mentioned it so quickly but the old geezer scientist he says uh when real men see their true reflections they go running for the hills um you know because it's stuff that they don't even show themselves a lot of the time and um and but our boy our boy made it through um with some encouragement with some encouragement he didn't want to run but then on both sides in his world and in the world that was creating him they were both encouraged run run trey run and then he almost gets hit but he dives out of the way and um and it's like had he not ran he would have uh, the nothing would have encompassed him he would have given into that despair um it's interesting also what you mentioned about the library and the mysticism, um, uh, the the whole esoteric aspect of that book and that symbol of the Orin, and um, also him having to prove that he wasn't just a beginner, that he, he, he reads and he loves books. And so I kind of think of that, my last thing I'll say is, I kind of think of that librarian as the Wizard of Oz, there's always like a, a um, equivalent in the real world as opposed to what was happening in Oz. 
I see that librarian as like the good luck dragon. Like he ran in there and he met the good luck dragon and the good luck dragon started him off on his entire hero's journey or something like that. Um, to go back to, to that point in the story. Yeah, the, the hero's journey part was um, something uh, uh, Charlie and Pepper watched the movie uh, with me and that was something Charlie said, oh, it'd be interesting to map the, the hero's journey over this. And I was like, oh yeah, good idea. So just pulled it up and there's like the, the list of it online from what um, uh, Joseph Campbell had come up with back in like the 50s or 60s that George Lucas referenced to get the Star Wars mythos going. And, you know, it just it, it follows this kind of formula that many mythologies over the course of history have followed. And the way that he uh, delineated it was in this um, 12 step kind of uh, process where there's the ordinary world the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, meeting the mentor, crossing the threshold, tests allies and enemies, approach to the inmost cave, ordeal, and then reward, or seizing the sword, uh, which like, you know, whenever he finally uh, sticks it to the, the wolf, uh, Mork, Morg, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember how he said it. Uh, the road back is the next one, resurrection and return with the elixir. So back in the ordinary world with the magic of that world brought into the, the physical manifestation and uh, really enjoyed the, the Sphinx uh, metaphor of being able to like go between those. And it's such an ancient motif in and of itself with like Egyptian kind of backgrounds as well as uh, kind of uh, nod to the, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, from the biblical narrative, how it's this big box that's made out of acacia, by the way, which, you know, we all know contains uh, at least traces sometimes of uh, methyltryptamine. So that's just an interesting side tidbit, but uh, it has those two same, like, kind of angel beings that are on the side. And there's this story, this uh, little, uh, you know, part in the narrative of whenever the Israelites are carrying this thing, that it actually, like, uh, kills uh, somebody by touching it. Like th this person named Uzzah ends up touching the Ark of the Covenant and his name means strength. So it's obviously like someone who's just like only rooted in the physical world of strength uh, or only by their like their own identity or their own ego's strength. Um, they end up getting basically zapped by it. And so that's kind of like the knight, you know, who was riding on the horse and he was sure of his, you know, man-made armor, his human-made armor, and uh, but that wasn't enough, and it had to come from within, which is what Atreyu, you know, uh, he almost doubted, but he had to be confident. <laughs> confident. <laughs> it's, it's funny, like how kind of like it's really simplistic as a movie, you know, like I, I, I didn't remember, I, and all that other stuff was like, like way over my head whenever I was little and saw it, but. It's still charming in its own way because it kind of follows that same, you know, like it's just good, like simple wisdom that we all know our inner children instantly recognize it. So, yes. Um, there was that moment where the scientist says, uh, Oh, you know, all of his armor won't protect him. And it would, it wasn't that it wouldn't protect him from the lasers, no matter how. Um, how like strong his armor was he was going to get killed because he was just um, creating this 
this image, this, this, he was just like trying to protect himself from the outside. And, um, and then he says, um, because the, 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 the first most Oracle, the first most gate to see the Southern Oracle, he, they can see directly through the armor into your heart to know. And the, the point of it is like, if a person knows their own worth and on a deeper level, it's like, I don't know what my own worth is because how can we know our own potential until we actually reach a idea of what our own true worth is like i listen to a lot of self-help teachers and they talk about like oh just believe in yourself and believe that you're capable of doing anything but that's all framed within the limitations of what i've told has been told is possible and um and we're all conditioned like bastion is he's like he wakes up each morning and his dad gives him a hard time that he's not like doing enough so how could he know his own worth which is why like even at the end when he's being called out by name he's still he's still afraid to to do the thing that he wants to do the most which is participate in his favorite story you know um i'm wondering if uh and and it's the only mention it's the only time where i really hear the heart mentioned in that in that story is like mm, people can see your true self and 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 it's not about how strong we think we are it's about it's about that inner that inner strength and that that inner uh, knowing yourself know, know thyself to know thyself temetnosks or whatever um yeah atara do you have any uh thoughts about knowing yourself and going through scary um scary tests to make it to the other side um 100 ah, oh my gosh actually speaking of which this scorpio full moon has put these tests on blast <laughs> so it's been an interesting last week but um <clears throat> with all the tests that have come it's pretty much been full spectrum um, there's been some specific themes within the lessons though, and a lot of it revolves around really just slowing down enough and giving enough pause and enough awareness to the breath to redirect my own energy in the way that I'm responding, because I recognize that situations don't I mean, they do, they do just come to my door, but like there's, I have some responsibility in the manifestation of that and the way that it's further going to play out based on my response. So it's, that's been tested over and over and over again in the last like five days. And I've gone to a point now where you know, I recognize that a lot of it has to do with the story that I'm telling myself, the way that I respond. Um, the way that I respond has a lot to do with the way that I'm seeing it, and the way that I'm seeing it has a lot to do with the story that I'm telling myself. So those things kind of go hand in hand, and if I'm really paying attention to that, then I can make the shift within the story that I'm telling myself to be able to really sense it for what it is and understand it from every angle so that I can respond properly and 
I'd say that I'm passing those tests. <laughs> if I can, I'd say that I'm passing those tests because my my responses have been really, really steadfastly rooted in my intention and who who I've now come to know myself to truly be and who have always known myself to be as long as I've been like on this whole spiritual journey. I've recognized that each of us are divine love embodied and there's been a lot of other stories going on <laughs> that don't exactly match up to that. But um, it, they do also in a weird way. They, they, they do. They're, it's not always clear, but it always does come back into that. I'm getting a little bit vague and like, can you remind me what your question was? <laughs> My question was, what is the question? <laughs> I, I want to take something back. I, uh, I had mentioned in our episode when we were covering the Midnight Gospel that you remind me of the childlike empress. Um, oh yeah. But I kind of think That's you remind, I, I kind of <laughs> think you remind me of Treyu. I tray you a little bit too. I was, I was really wondering that when I watched that movie. I was like, at first I thought, I was like, did he say a tray you? But then towards the end, I was like, maybe you meant the Empress. But then I was kind of like, I feel like I'm some sort of blend. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> of those two, you know? Not exactly one or the other, but maybe some sort of blend. As long as you're not offended, cheers. <laughs> I'm not offended. Just don't tell me that I sound like a cult leader, because that. I got that recently. <laughs> uh, I know a cult leader named uh, Unicol Unicron. Do either of you know about Unicol Unicron? The leader of no. the Unicult. The Unicult is an online uh, social club, she calls it sometimes, but she intentionally brainwashes all of her followers to believe um, in what she believes in, which primarily is that belief makes real. And... Um, hmm. Check out, shout out Unicol Unicron for, <laughs> for having the courage to start a cult and seeing that she's like, oh, there's power in a cult and I need to help the planet. So I'm going to use that power to help the planet. And uh, so, but it's yeah, funny. Well, as long as it's helping the planet. <laughs> you know, you, you got to be careful. You got to be careful of these, <laughs> these cult leaders. Yeah, you got to be careful for, sure. for real. Because, I mean, that like in every message I've ever had to share, it's always going to be, feel it for yourself. <laughs> don't like, don't just listen to me because I don't want people following me or attaching to me like that. That's, that's intense. Sure. Um, yeah, it's a lot to take on, but yeah. I was mentioning to Jordan before you hopped on that my roommate wanted me to mention, because I watched it with my two roommates too, um, that she was inspired by the film to start singing and painting again, because she realized that that was something that she had been um, like kind of neglecting, that she knows that she like, that her soul and her heart want her to do. Aww. Aww. That's so cool. Yep. Love that. <laughs> And uh, it is true. It's like with hopelessness and despair, that can become really contagious and that can take over. And I think it's a, it's a good movie for us to watch at this time because it just takes one person to regenerate that, um, 
dreamscape of, of hope and beauty and imagination and creativity and transcendent beauty and art and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if it was necessary to go back and, and scare those kids into the trash can, but. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit more just the uh, um, uh, movie, you know, <laughs> a way to get that cathartic, you know, payback. Yes. For the kid, yeah, it's interesting that like, what what popped through my head when that happened was uh, the, the problem takes care of itself whenever you complete the journey, you know, like, uh, they were throwing him into the dumpster and he was running away um, and it and it happened again. So it kind of represented a pattern of the thing that was happening. And it came in the three, you know, like the unlucky three uh, as opposed to the lucky three. And so, you know, the the reverse of that role was that they, they were the problem, but then they took care of themselves and he was free of it. Um, yeah, and the, the, the taming of the dragon like the tamed dragon as opposed to the slain dragon is like this, you know, like there's the untamed dragon that's guarding the gold and ha has wisdom and uh, or is guarding a virgin, you know, in these ancient Artarian tales. And the, the symbolism behind all that is like, you know, these things are of no use to a dragon, like, you know, it, it's just a, a metaphor. And so there's these options where like in the Beowulf story, slaying the dragon is, is part of it, but with, uh, you know, this story, it's the, the tamed dragon. So it's like, you, you still have access. And it's just like two different ways of, of going with your shadow. Um, and the fact that it was kind of like a dragon dog too, it was kind of like, it becomes your companion. You know, that which was uh, keeping you from the wealth and the purity of, you know, your own inner child, of uh, hidden within the inner cave, the psyche, you know. Um, and it brings luck. That which brought ill fortune now brings fortune, you know, uh, because, and it's kind of like, yeah, having a story, something we can project ourselves into, like fantasy can yield real results in, in the world and it is boundless. So that accounts for boundlessness on the side of people that use their fantasy to try to control other people's fantasies. It, you know, the, the power is used by all in different ways. Uh, but then you can expand that into the, the goodness. Um, uh, of it as well and be able to uh, make your own luck dragon in, in the world you know by taking the befriending your demons or finding like your wounded healer like the Chiron uh, symbology in, the, uh, in astrology Chiron was a centaur that was a physician and he taught Achilles how to uh, uh, shoot bow and arrow and um, and that was also kind of an Atreyu thing you know he was like hunting the purple buffalo <laughs> uh, I thought that was interesting uh, whenever, you know, they were like surprised that he was a kid, you know, well, we want to train you the warrior. Where is Atreyu? <laughs> the warrior is like, I am. There is no other uh, plains people, people of the plains, you know, kind of like, and that's another a little allusion to, yeah, the, the everyday person can be just as, as heroic and, uh, and come up with daring ideas to kind of like, you know, tie it into the tangent about the the circle because you know there's still models of ways that we can figure it, it's all about energy exchange so physics has a lot to teach about what, how inputs and outputs are balanced in, in the field of electricity you have certain rules and regulations that, like energy has to move a certain way in currency with money and anything else like that or currency with a way that like uh 
with consciousness like there's an economy of consciousness what do you put stock in what do you uh, uh do you have a trust you know because uh, uh, we say land trust and stuff like that and um just like the memory bank you know like uh how much are you storing into that you know so it's kind of like money is another expression of our fantasy and of the boundlessness if it is you know if our fantasy really is boundless i think it's possible that money could turn into something much different like if uh we reach the the, the world of everyone having you know elon musk's neural links inside our brains you know which he's like planning on having out he was just talking on Rogan the other night about. Uh, yeah, I saw that. You saw that, yeah. <laughs> but then just like the next five years, to where you don't even need to open up your mouth to. Uh, uh, he said, in the ideal, you know, in the most ideal like thing, if everything went according to plan, it's probably a little bit further off. But then again, like, who knows? But even that is literally like a materialization of fantasy. It's probably something we already can do to a certain extent. That maybe there's some kind of organ with which we do have this kind of uh, in energy exchange that is uh, less mediated by words and like clunky, you know, easy to miss it. Like, you know, there's interference that can get into it where an ambiguity, you know, and it's kind of like where money is too. And capitalism thrives on the uh, instability of uh, the market, you know, and it, and it's based on infinite growth itself so it's living its fantasy for sure you know but it's uh it's interesting when fantasy comes into a world that seems to be not resistant to fantasy but but it, it's it, it takes a little bit longer for it to catch up with yeah it's it, not so that. accommodating it's yeah, not it's not interesting so like that, that accommodating. Go ahead. Right. <laughs> no, no no you're good you're good um yeah, it's just such an, uh, the dichotomy of fantasy versus reality, like uh, to, to what extent, you know, can we, because people imagine gravity could be defied for long enough, and they didn't accept, they couldn't accept, you know, as a species, we wanted to imitate the birds, you know, and like, well, if they can do it, surely I can do it, you know, and, and that became the muse, you know, so it's like, uh, he, he read the character, and he, and he became the character, and then could bring the character back out and it's it's brilliant simple <laughs> yeah um and, was... and uh, the, the circle also tying in with the circle so you know <laughs> it's all there man it's all there <laughs> speaking of the circle what what do you think of the orin oh my gosh dude that symbol rocks my soul that is so epic i've never seen that before um and yeah, it's it's a really unique symbol. Very powerful. I feel like that's like I don't even know to be honest. I can't even describe it. <laughs> it's it's serpents, right? It's two serpents that are in some kind of a Celtic knot formation. Yeah, yeah. it's like an infinity in the middle with like the circle around it. Yeah. Right and in there they like yeah. twist twat once or twice? I don't, I don't remember exactly. One of those, but, yeah. yeah. It's like a Ouroboros yin-yang or I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, snake snake uh, symbolism has been, uh, been coming up a lot lately. A friend of mine was just uh, encountering snakes uh, out in like East Washington. They're out in like uh, full force at this this time of the year. Um, but the, the snake symbolism of being uh, a healer, you know, that's that's also a thing. It's interesting. 
Your brain's the same. What, um, what, what does the, I can never pronounce it correctly, but it also showed up in the Midnight Gospel, the Ouroboros? Yeah, 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 yeah that's it. What, um, what is... It's, it's this, the circle symbol of a snake eating its own tail. And, so it's but where did it come from? Where did it come from and how is it how is it understood? Oh, let's, hmm. what, do you, <laughs> what do you think of when you see it? The first feeling and word that comes to mind is ancient. Um, it's supposed to be representative of life itself and how everything's interconnected <laughs> and connected to itself <laughs> I, originally i learned of it through i think through this book that i have um maybe in like 2016 i'm thinking of this book right here it's called The Return of the Divine Sophia, and it's pretty good. It's really, um, it's really good, but there's a lot in here that's very breaking down the mystic in a very left brain logical way, which is a lot of people really need that. And it cites a lot of different cultures and the way that um, divine consciousness is broken down in certain cultures and has been broken down over the over so many, so many years in all these different histories and this the symbol is in there i think it was also i don't know if you know jordan but it also might have been in the flower of life book but i'm not too sure to be honest and i don't remember where they say that it came from but i have like my instinct wants to say ancient egypt but it might go back farther than that I don't really ancient Egypt. Okay, cool. Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan's got Jordan's got the info. What's up, Jordan? You are muted, my friend. You are muted. You must unmute yourself. I said uh, Oracle on tap here, and you you got it. You got it. Great. Yeah, it's it's a super ancient symbol, and it's kind of supposed to be representative of yeah, just the principle of life itself. So. The, for it to be two snakes and like weaved in that way, the orange symbol in the movie, it just took it took that basic symbol to like the next level, not like five levels deeper. Because like that, that was crazy, and it's it's more it's more in depth and uh, it's more aesthetically in depth and uh like vibrationally in depth almost as well like the circle eating itself is super super simple and very um you know symbolic of exactly what it's supposed to be symbolic of but then to have it to have two snakes weaving it throws in all these different elements like it makes me think of um the principles of one snake being the divine masculine and the other snake being the divine feminine and the way that they're just like weaving all together to create the whole circle of life kind of breaks it down for me in that way so it's pretty freaking deep <laughs> really intense symbol I was, I was i was thinking of uh treyu and bastion chasing each other and um being interwoven into a uh into one one 
you know, never ending story because you could follow it. You could follow it and continue to trace it and follow it and continue to trace it and follow it. And you never know when one ends and where the other one begins um, in that way. And it also kind of reminded me of a Celtic knot or like a labyrinth in that sense too, mm. of um, just kind of like the continuity of, again, like kind of the hero's journey. It is, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, but the, the, you know, when you think of the ancient and you think of like the Ouroboros or um, I'm not really sure how you pronounce it, but um, like yeah, a snake, snake, eat, snake eating its own tail. Um, Jordan, I wanted to ask you about that before, if you know anything about it. Um, just as much as I've read or heard, you know, um, yeah, I just looked up the, the etymology because uh, it, it, it started off as an Egyptian symbol and then came through the Greek with the name Ouroboros and um, Aura meaning tail and uh, Bora meaning food. <laughs> um, and uh, it, it's from a root, Bibrosko, which means I eat. And um, yeah, so ta tail food, basically. Um, which you can read into in different ways, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking about Rumi now, like just off the top of my head, uh, talking about in one of his poems, uh, he, he's mentioning kind of like the, the Sufi relevant, uh, you know, the, the Sufi variation of the Kundalini, which again is the serpent, you know, that uh, is, is resident in our tailbone, the serpent in the tailbone. And so, you know, by uh, making peace with that, you know, bringing that up and channeling it through, it unlocks a wealth of energy. So it's the dragon that is hiding the gold and the, the fountain of youth, you know, or the virgin, which is, you know, just like a older way of saying, you know, the, the purity of youth and the, you know, untampered with energy that's limitless. Like when we're very little, like we, we start off with way more connections in our brains possible. And that's why we're so good at learning language and uh, learning how to interpret faces and learning how to recognize ledges and but there's so much already ready there uh, and all the great mystics like Christ said you know unless you become like one of these children you'll want, you won't see the kingdom of heaven uh, you know the uh, Lao Tzu uh, the Tao Te Ching author who may or may be you know real or legendary Lao Tzu can be translated in various ways but one of them is old youth so it's kind of like bringing the blend, bringing the head to the tail, that which you know grows from, coming back to that which grows to, and also it is like Atar was saying, the the life um, exchange, the exchange of energy, and uh, we spend our whole life eating the earth and eating that which grows from the earth, and then the exchange of that is that we are eaten by the earth. So, and then we become food, uh, even as we have eaten so that the circle is finally complete um, uh, upon that you know so it's uh, the unity of life and death the yeah and there's all kinds of like other you know things that are kind of tied in with that but yeah the, the interweaving of the two snakes yeah in, it brings in a whole other level of polarity interchange and the way that that is in the weaving of stories like Zach what you were talking about with uh, the Celtic knot um, kind of imagery so uh, stories getting interwoven over time and that's how religions, you know, like adaptations and, and uh, we even do the same thing today with fan fiction, you know, it's like, well, 
I would like to, you know, everybody can have their own personal Jesus, like regardless of who the like specific historical person was, who was definitely like, you know, not just what anybody could say, but a very particular kind of person who may or may not have done things or had things happen. Um, but the legend can be anyone's adaptation, which is like why schisms have continuously been a thing throughout church history and, and many other religions have had that same kind of thing that whenever there is a fantasy that is brought to reality and people are, are agreement on it and again kind of tying it back to the beginning of the conversation with cults uh, how cults can turn into cultures you know something very small a little bit of yeast can make the bread rise you know uh, just kind of a metaphorical way of saying it but the Ouroboros being that eating we are what we eat so uh we we complete the circle of whatever we exchange ourselves with and uh that includes our beliefs and what we take stock in and what we feed our fantasy to in front that from which we are fed uh our fantasy um i, I would say that the two of those being in connected would be more the harmonic of that rather than it just being that one where it's like it can actually you know encompass a, a, a higher dimension of, of that expression maybe um, but that's just my interpretation so you know uh, question well, everything you I want <laughs> um, what's your Instagram handle Latara thank you Jordan oh yeah thank you um, <laughs> it's funny you asked um, so I have the, the one Instagram I've mainly been using is spiral evolution and then I've really been wanting to make a person like more of a personal account and um, I found the this account that I've already had that I I used to use back in like 2013 14 15 um, and it's called rhythmic serpent so there's, oh, like, wow. <laughs> there's nothing on well I think there's one post actually on there right now which is a picture of the be here now book from like 2013 I think um, um, but I personal so <laughs> <laughs> Um, Why do you ask? I, I, the, the spiral evolution, um, I have, there's this old meme from like the mid 2000s or something that says a spiral is just a circle that has, um, has transcended its patterns. So, so there's the circle which will continue the same exact trajectory until it has outgrown that pattern and then will become the spiral. And I've always really appreciated that um, metaphor uh, using that, that visual because um, I, it helped me identify, and I can't tell you what right now, um, but I know that it's helped me identify like similar choices that I make in a slightly different way in order to make sure that I didn't encounter similar results to the way things used to be. And so then that way I just miss completing the circle again and and we'll we'll go around but it's when i get cocky and i'm not paying attention to where i'm going that i end up tripping on the same stick in the ground over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and yes. um uh but that that analogy that meme uh as simple as it is just a two-dimensional flat thing somebody created in five minutes it's definitely stuck with me and had a big impact on me and so i can see the Ouroboros is like the snake eating its own tail. I think it's known as like a positive thing and like a really good lesson, but I also see it as a, the positive value in it as a negative symbol for like 
if you don't watch out, you will be the dog that bites off your own tail and you will eat you consume yourself whole unless you break free of that pattern and and It is all encompassing. And um, I just want to throw in there that like another way of saying what you're saying when you're like, I, I get, I'll get tripped up on this one thing. Um, I tend to observe that as looping. <laughs> so, and I've, I've experienced a lot of this within myself and other humans as well when uh, we'll just get s fixated or stuck on a certain test or pattern within ourselves that's not really serving who we're growing into be to continue manifesting the next phase of life um if we get caught up anywhere in our head in our mental our thoughts or in our feelings or emotions um we tend to like loop go back and forth and we're telling we're looping in this story that we've been telling ourselves that we've been attached to and to transcend that typically is like stepping back, not continuing to perpetuate the pattern, stepping back and really just observing the pattern for what it is and looking at for as many, looking at it in as many different angles as we need to in order to see it in a way that allows us to learn whatever the lesson is for us in that moment so that we can then transcend and notch it up a little bit and continue the spiral rather than like continuing the loop on that same plane of thought or feeling or behavior pattern like, so, the, hamster, like the hamster wheel just keeps yeah. spinning around. yeah except hamsters have fun with that it's like that's that's like their oh so do people don't don't get it twisted <laughs> so people do too for sure but that's more so due to like distorted attachments than fun <laughs> but True i guess that. it is well well what would make a, a hamster's fun that they have on that wheel not a distorted attachment <laughs> instinct i guess <laughs> no that's valid that's valid that's true um yeah. good point <laughs> yeah i guess so because like they're I don't, I don't know a hamster's true nature but if they need to exercise more than that cage is allowing them, then, <laughs> yeah. you know? All right, let's just, uh, let's let's roll through lightning style status on the symbols in the never ending story. Um, the, the rock eater, riding a tricycle. What do you got for this, Zach? Yeah, what's your <laughs> thoughts, man? What's your thoughts on that? Well, um, I don't know. I, it's interesting. He's like a cannibal, right? He's this giant cannibal. <laughs> yeah, uh, a rock-eating rock person. Yeah. Right. And he's also like the one that... He's like the gentle giant of the group or whatever. And at the Definitely. end, you when he's talking about his hands, that's like one of the most emotional parts of the film that I was also noticing falling the flattest in the room that I was in was like, like why is he talking about his hands? But like... I was in a ceremony one night and this brother early in the morning, like at 5.30 in the morning when people are just kind of like waking up and joining in the closing circle, he said, everybody look at your hands, like really take a good look at your hands. No, seriously, look at your hands. Everybody needs to look at their hands. It was just like, he was so strict on it. Nobody was having it, but I was doing it because I thought, all right, well, this is what we're doing. And he's like, what are these hands capable of? 
what where did these hands come from how magic are these hands and like what have you already done with these hands and what can you do with these hands and i was just like dude you're tripping <laughs> but at the same time like what a good trip to be tripping on because you're right man these hands are pretty this is magic right here you know and if if it isn't then i don't know what is but the ability to like build a house you know manifest um a painting you know take something that is that is inside of your mind's eye and manifest it even more beautiful than i have ever seen i've seen painters paint you know and um so so when he was doing that with his hands i was just like wow it's the earth he's like speaking from the earth it was like this really grounded presence but that scared everybody because of its like sloppiness it was like when the rocks fell it felt like an earthquake like the our mother was like upset or something like that and uh so that's what that's all i got for I, I think he's really cute um i think him on the tricycle is like that kind of beginner's mind that kind of like childlike innocence of um just being in the moment and just meeting these other random people at this rendezvous intersection of life and him representing kind of like the slow motion, like nothing's really unique about him except for everything. And yeah, him being a cannibal, I really don't think was taking into, into consideration much at all, except for it was just kind of, I don't know, maybe it is important, but um, that's all I got for the rock eater. Did you guys pick up on anything? I was wondering what Atara thought of the uh, the thing that the scientist was using with the big crystals. Uh, it was like zooming in on the sphinxes and watching all that. Like, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was that one. I was like, I wonder if you saw that. Yeah. yeah, anytime a movie puts the crystal symbolism in there like that, I'm just like, they know. <laughs> they know what they're doing. This movie is a channel. This is not even a movie anymore. They just pulled this from the universe. <laughs> right. I think uh, I think yeah. that the crystal I, I telescope, the crystal telescope oh, aimed yeah, so at, at the two at the two sphinxes. I I don't think that dude knew. I think I think that was all just he got lucky. He got lucky with that one. I'm what joking. You well, you were saying you were saying like they know, and I'm just like, of course they know. He's I got a crystal telescope that's pointed at two two sphinxes guarding the, uh, you know the the ever reaches of our mind and our consciousness the bravery test as it were and um so i'm in agreement i'm just being stupid <laughs> yeah i i wonder um i just thought of an extra question on top of that just that those two characters is like uh he wanted he was like oh uh you know the old man little very tiny man. i didn't realize they were actually small until you know they like panned away i was like oh it's like an early example of the uh the same kind of technique they use for like uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit of like that perspective. So even that's like a, a making the fantasy come to life, you know, kind of way. Uh, right. But I was wondering like the, the dichotomy between the guy being like, oh no, what he needs is scientific, blah, blah, blah. And he needs, I'm acting very scientifically, and, you know. <laughs> and she was like, oh no, he needs a potion, you know, <laughs> like something to like, I guess, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be a nod to like, he needs to wind down and need like you know a more uh kind of grounded like uh, tending to uh but then they ended up both being you know they're both trying to like put each other down and yeah just wondering if you guys 
had any reminders of anything that that reminded you of or any thoughts on them as archetypes or whatever however you the the you're talking about the scientist and his wife primarily yeah so off top i think it's funny that they in a weird way they kind of put like the logical left mind scientific to the man and then they put like the mystical magical just take this potion to the woman right and really they meet somewhere in between because when he takes them up to the crystal telescope there's potions that run the telescope right so yeah i think i think i'm pretty sure when i just rewatched it that's what it was there's like three bottles three different colored potion bottles like in the telescope um between like where you look and where the telescope shoots out right yeah. so they did come together right there right. And they were they were kind of just going on in on that like sort of just like comedic old couple back and forth i'm right no i'm right you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> it was really cute. That whole scene was really cute and they're definitely like they're in within the scene they were holding it down with the the mystical mountain couple vibes <laughs> like they're just out there holding it down doing what they do waiting for the right people to show up at the right time so that they can do what they know they need to do, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was cool. cute. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see them as like uh, possibly representing uh, Wiccans, you know, like, uh, but but also like bringing some sympathy to w witches and like giving them that like, no, we are being scientific in our experiments and we are like, we love science, but we're also people of the earth. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible that she was more of the intuition and he was more of like, the runaway brain train um but they are like so they've been together for so long they're basically the same person kind of they just have diff slightly different roles i was thinking of it's like not that interesting but i was thinking about how we're part of the me too movement and how all of the ways that he was treating her calling her a wench over and over again just would not fly uh, it's not politically correct at all i was like cringing i was like can't just call this woman a wench over and over and over again that's not pc at all and uh but then i was like you know fuck it but then it's a kids movie so it's even more like disrespectful to to women or whatever but at the end of the day i think that scene is awesome i thought it was hilarious and and thoroughly entertaining it's like I don't know so much of that movie is sort of like two-dimensional it's like each character has their purpose and their kind of like route that they run like Falcor's the good luck dragon and Atreus the brave kid and Bastion's kind of like the scared nerdy type or whatever but then with these two we see that like the people that live in Fantasia and have been like doing their own internal research on um the southern oracle I suppose because it's like the the hidden gem or like you say like the um the the lost ark did you call it the lost like they're kind of protectors and guardians of the lost ark um yeah this just maybe she's the intuition and he's that um overly confident cocky aspect of of the mind of of um being too mental or something like that but he totally needs her like he would be completely lost without her and um 
And who knows, maybe she would be lost without him, but I think she would she would win in an apocalypse if they were separated because she's the one that's keeping them alive. She's got all the potion, yeah. So. Yeah. He's just got yeah. books. But she's but, supporting yeah. she's supporting his interests. She support she supports his work too, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She, even though he was like, Yeah, you, you know, being disrespectful and speaking to her as is, you know, standard standards of nineteen eighty four humor, I guess. <laughs> Um, it, she was the one who was winding the machine and actually lifting him up and exalting him so that, like you were saying, you know, it was only because of her that he could even um, accomplish those things. So it's almost like magic is the prelude to science or that science can't lose sight of that, uh, that the original intention of, of magic, which is, yeah, making potion, like a, a thing with which you can practically heal yourself or or relieve suffering, you know, like that's the, that should be the main goal of science. And, and the bad name of science comes from people that, you know, make weapons mostly. But it, but the, that's just a, another boundlessness of the, uh, the fantasy. And it's a part of the nothing too, which is like the nothing itself is contained within. Uh, it's a potential of Fantasia, you know. Yeah. Uh, of experience and scatter that plant yeah. right <laughs> um yeah I, I had another question for both of you is uh what do you think uh the empress's name was or is well i don't Whenever know what he like yells it out it's his mom right it's his mom's name right Good. i don't know what her name was but did you that's hear what, what, it, what he said yeah, no, I, I hear it. I hear it clearer after I looked it up. So, um, oh, okay. but I but I haven't actually looked it up. I think he yells out "Moonchild." Um, really? Yeah, and and there's a there's like a uh, uh, Alistair Crowley wrote a book called "Moonchild" as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, that. So I don't know exactly what this author was. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the author at the end of this, but um, yeah, I think he yells out Moonchild. I could be mistaken. Do you know what he do? You, do you know what he yelled out, Jordan? Well, no, I I couldn't understand it. It sounded like an M word, but I I looked it up on the uh, Quora afterwards, and uh, they said yeah, it's Moonchild in the book, but that they purposely made it uh, vague for the movie, so that we could uh, take even further part in like playing along with the story ourselves and. Uh, insert our own you know mother's name or you know the mm -hmm. the divine one just uh, x yeah. for variable just kind yeah, of like just any x yeah um <laughs> it's it, it's interesting though that uh, uh one of the things i love about uh your roommate jordan uh, my old roommate and uh landlord charlie um is that he always called me a star child and then when Jordan <laughs> moved in, he also called Jordan Star. He, I don't know. When was the last time Jordan really called yeah. you Star Child? Does he still call when you? Was Star the last time? Yeah. Uh, probably just like a few weeks ago. Yeah, he calls everybody Star Child. So that's just shout outs to Charlie for that. Um, yeah, I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> um, yeah, whenever he called me Star Child, I would always just feel really warm. I was like, oh, Charlie cares. He thinks I'm a, a, yeah. a child of the stars. Um, speaking Yay. of which, we are, we are. Otara, do you uh, do you believe in prophecies from the stars and messages from the Pleiadians? Yes. 
They were actually the first star family who came to me in my journey of awakening um, at the very, like literally the first three days of 2012. So, and like they were coming through before that, but that was the first time that they came through directly. It was undeniable and it was just like, oh, okay, cool. I have some guidance. <laughs> and did they identify themselves as Pleiadians or did you? Yes, 100%. Um, they, they, came to, they came through the, the book, Family of Light. But like I said, they were coming through other ways first. And then um, I ended up, I was on Tumblr a lot those days and I ended up making a friend on there who was like, have you ever heard of Starseeds? Uh, he was like going through all his own journey, right? And at that point I had already heard of Starseeds for like a couple years. Um, but I like I had never heard of the Star family, you know what I mean? And like that whole, like I never really thought about that. And so he recommended me this book and I got the book and then it, that like, it just opened everything from there because it was a whole new language a whole new way of speaking a whole different vibration and um i was already like the waves had already been coming through 2011 so like when that portal opened that pleiadian portal opened it was just completely undeniable at that point and uh yeah what you got zach <laughs> not much i can only share from my own personal experience that um I had heard about star people and star nations and star prophecies and all that good stuff. And um, my uh, friend and still to this day, really good friend, uh, Dylan, who now goes by Tara, um, was telling me about uh, their experiences uh, talking to the star nations and the star people. And I was asking, I, I said, well, can you just talk to them whenever you want? And he's like, yeah, pretty much. And so I, I asked some questions for his star relatives and got some answers and was like, that's not something that this person that I know is kind of like just a wily, fun, talented cat, but like, he's not that mysterious. Like he's pretty like, you, you know who the kind of person that he is. But then when he would channel these messages, I was just like, he isn't lying to me. He truly genuinely believes that he has a connection with star beings. And cause I, cause when I was asking him these questions, I was kind of like being a smart ass about it internally. Cause I didn't believe what he was saying to me was true. I was like, well, he's probably just putting on like kind of a show or something like that. But then once he shared with me the answers, I was like, oh, oh okay. And it, it stopped me, it paused me and, and it had me reevaluate all my preconceived notions of that. And it just had me open, that opened the periphery of my perception. And then, um, and then I started doing podcasts uh, called Experiments in Truth. And I had this, uh, I don't know if you know who Karis is, Karis Melina Brown, but she came over to my apartment and she was telling me about, um, about light workers and uh, star seeds and things like this. And she was telling me about the different entities that were in the living room at the time. I was like, okay. And then um, I joined this medicine group in Los Angeles and they would all channel these songs these medicine songs like they would all just like 
they would write them, right? Um, but then they would perform them during ceremony and stuff like that. And they were touching on certain thematic elements that were so specific to the book, The Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara Marcianic, that from 1991. And none of these people, once I was brought to that material, I had already recognized so much of it from the songs that when I brought that book to each one of the, the musicians, I was like, have you read this? Have you read this? Have you read this? Nobody had had come into touch with any of that material. That again was completely channeled by a Pleiadian receiver um, satellite back in 1991. And while reading this book, I was like, that's true. That's true. That's me. That's me. That's me. That's this is us. This is a soul family reunion. And we're all on the same page with this material. And, um, and that's all the confirmation that I really needed to be like, okay, well, there's more than meets the eye. And, uh, and I like to listen to crazy people more than I used. I used to dismiss them, but now I like really curiously what's going on right now like more than we can just see because there's people that are really tapped in and really connected and so that's what i got for you what about you jordan yeah even to the point where you know now the pentagon just released uh the ufo footage officially declassified you know, it just didn't make as much news because it's like swamped and way more information than we can already digest but until a lot of people already kind of have been believing that it was the case anyway for so long. So, uh, yeah. um, I, I've had dreams. I've had two particular, very vivid, um, extraterrestrial dreams, you know, uh, what one, one being who called himself Lehi from Alpha Centauri B. And, uh, I think it was, it was either January 11th, 2011 or November 11th. I'll have to go back. I have it like written down from, all my dream journals and stuff um and the most recent one i had was uh 220 2020 <laughs> like right as i was in the middle of like really really i guess the flu of the like the worst flu i've ever felt in my life it felt like death eaters were hovering above my face um but yeah uh so being from alpha centauri b i mean i've definitely heard of different um peoples, nations, indigenous uh, groups of people that have uh, traditions uh, about people from the stars and ancestry tying to the stars. Um, and, and even science, you know, there are different circles and scientific circles that uh, posit um, uh, panspermia as a, a hypothesis of how the earth first became uh, populated with the, the basic uh, materials for life if not just a little bit of life preserved itself in some water on an asteroid you know from somewhere else um, and many other kind of things you know there, there's so many different uh, I'll say hypotheses just so so people don't confuse that for theory because a theory is when you've actually observed something that everybody else can observe if they you know have access to the correct tools but a hypothesis is just a guess an educated guess based on like extrapolating from how big the universe is, how many stars there are, and there's many, many more planets around each individual star, and, and the fact that we exist as intelligent beings, and every other intelligent being on this planet, you know, because everything's intelligent in, in the sense of uh, being able to do things that are stellar, to use the star word, um, and we're all made of stardust, you know, what we are literally physically uh, remnants, um, 
if any body of uh, mass, uh, once a planet, uh, like if enough particles come together and enough weight is put into a center, then all of that weight eventually sparks uh, nuclear uh, fusion as opposed to fission, which is what nuclear bombs use. Fusion happens in the core of stars and that's what ignites a star. So any planet is a potential star if it only had enough matter and density that could weigh in because uh, the more you have the more it crushes in so every planet is the remnant of the star that existed before this one uh, and it just happened to be the very first one to get the most uh, particles onto it you know just I, I'm very you know uh, I'm not explaining this as articulately as a, a professor would but that, that's basically what the the main thoughts are so we're all from the stars, you know, we're star people ourselves. And if we start traveling to other places and we encounter beings, then we will be the ones thought as aliens, you know, but, but I think we should do away with that word uh, because it means other. It's, it's like where we get the word alias as uh, and uh, the othering of people, you know, we, we call each other aliens if we don't, if we come from the other side of the imaginary line that we do and we call a country, even though it's all technically one giant uh, landmass. The entire Earth has no borders. It's just that you'd have to go under the ocean to like continue on the ground. It's still ground, and it's all still seamlessly connected. So it's like everything. There, there is no such thing as aliens. But I do believe that there are extraterrestrials. Uh, just to be picky about the way that we word things, and that's just my own preference. You know. Um, so the dreams that I've had are basically the only thing I can ever say. And I'd have definitely like been curious about Pleiadians. And when I was living in Mount Shasta, there, you know, that was all the rage. And uh, Tellurians uh, and Telos and um, Lemurians. All kinds of yeah. Lemurians, yeah, yeah. Uh, which those are more kind of like, like Lemuria is like the Atlantis of the West, which is Atlantis is like, you know, in the Atlantic side and Lemuria was hypothesized and they're actually like old books that these came from that then took on these much more legendary kind of and spiritual metaphorical it became a new mythos it became a new groundwork with which people could work through like their own uh, emotional energy I think a lot of that stuff is just useful as like a, a fantasy board like a movie like a game or anything that we can project ourselves into and I like how McKenna, Terrence McKenna said that uh, we'll call an alien, we don't recognize the alien as our own soul or, or that the, it's a metaphor of what we can become ourselves and what we might already be in some parallel future dimension. You know, it could just be us from the future. And it's like, we won't know until we find out, but we're, we're very, very close, I feel. And um, people have been privy to these kind of ideas for so, so long and uh, writing about beings in the sky ever since, uh, you know, a antiquity with ancient scriptures. And now was that, was that at all? I, I, I've been wanting, I've been wanting to ask about ancient Egypt. Do we know if um, extraterrestrials supposedly visited the Egyptians? We know for sure. No, <laughs> no doubt. Oh. Don't question it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, but what is that the rumor? Was what, is that are people are is that the word on the street? Is that is that uh, that's how they got that kind of technology or something like that? Because um, the the Sphinx in that um, in the movie obviously have a very strong impact impression, 
And yeah. uh, um, Atara, I saw when you were lifting up that book that Isis's name was mentioned as well. Um, and I don't really know too much about Isis or ancient Egypt, actually. Um, but you mentioned that the Ouroboros uh, had found its origin before it found its way into uh, Greek mythology um, yeah. as an Egyptian thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot to that. Um, wait, what was the okay? What was the question? Um, <laughs> well, was uh, I guess one way to ask the question is not the right way but it's like was all of egypt at a certain point of time uh alien hybrid dna beings like operating civilization no okay no um from what i've from what i've read research understand um a lot of what you just mentioned of like the the hybrid hybrid alien beings, a lot of that stemmed from Atlantis. And from what I've, again, read, searched, researched, understood. <laughs> um, and none, of us were, none of us were there in these bodies anyways. So. None of us were there. Yeah, but when hanging out in certain vortexes, things come through in really weird ways. Um, so a lot of people on the planet have like claimed past life in ancient Egypt and sure <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, there's that that's a whole nother thing um but multi-dimensionality is definitely a thing and um i believe if we had a past life and we're able to conceive it now it's still happening here now so <sighs> so we have access to it. so we have access to it yes to the information from that lifetime yeah yes and um from what I understand, Atlantis wasn't always infiltrated like that. And there was this whole uh, series of events that happened that led into that ancient civilization being infiltrated and ultimately falling. But also from stories I've read, there was like, you know, council of beings who knew and who um, saw it coming and actually like, you know, navigated through it as best as possible and then warned everybody who was like left pretty much and was on the same sort of like vision of what the, the council was receiving for the planet that they, they went underground and used like subterranean civilizations and um, the Lemurians supposedly did that too. And that's, you know, it's said that the, those beings are still there today. They're still here. They're still living in the subterranean. Um, but some people did end up, some people from Atlantis did end up migrating over to what we know now as like Egypt or what was ancient Egypt. And um, yeah, like they, they ended up continuing civilization and growing it into the point of what it became and what we know it as. And there were a lot of key, there were a lot of key characters it, that showed up in Egypt who um, the characters are representative of planetary archetypes. And so in a lot of ways, the characters are just uh, almost like specific energies embodied archetypes, right? And um, a lot of it had to do with, with 
the, the mythical side of life, the mystical side of life. And uh, yeah, I think I think in ancient Egypt they did have like uh, half hybrid humans, right? Like that's supposedly in some of the stories and texts of what happened in ancient Egypt was like there was there was that that whole hybrid thing going on. I don't know if that was like scientific. Like when it comes to Atlantis, they say that it was like a scientific thing. There was actual like genetic modification going on and um, infiltration into the the organic code of life and this planet and humans and it was like tampered with with uh, higher intelligences and yeah just like generally infiltrated and taken over and I think that model of energy played out through civilizations in different ways but um the same sort of way of like beings becoming too separated from life itself and the principles and then somehow it turning in on itself and just like all collapsing so there's there's been a lot that's happened on this planet according to the stories <laughs> but um what's interesting about those times is I've read a lot of different books on on these times and I've spent a fair amount of time in Mount Shasta which is like where a lot of these thoughts are stimulated um is in vortexes like that like Mount Shasta or Sedona or Crestone Colorado or all these different places on the earth there's many others that's just a few in the US um but these a lot of these thoughts and uh you know quote unquote memories and whatever else are stimulated when we're in these places of just like really intense connection with the stars and um the planet itself so I've, I've read a lot i've researched a lot i've heard a lot i've come across a lot of beings who are like questioning the same thing and coming across a lot of the same and different types of information and their their own direct experiences on the whole thing and um you know why they're here now what's going on and what I've found through reading and um, what I understand is is those times are coming up now on the planet again the times of remembering Lemuria and Atlantis and um, ancient Egypt and even like I don't hear Rome mentioned too much but we should talk about Rome because I've had I've had pretty intense memory <laughs> from that uh, that time period and oh it's it's the same type of story, but the details are different. And what's important is that these those times in history, I, I believe from what I've experienced, I believe that those times in history would happen with certain energetic imp, imp, imprints or signatures or patterns were placed in the timeline of the earth. And um, those energies were set in during those times so a lot of the um separation a lot of the separation we experience in consciousness in humanity today stemmed from those time periods that was like a lot that was like the last time that the majority of us showed up on the planet was like back then and anchored in these energies so that we could come back here now and see like the way everything has progressed and expanded and played out and remember like how to remember in this life how to 
come back into center and back into pure connection with source and into embodying divine love and who we really are as people, as humans, as every one of our each unique individual selves, we've like come to relearn how to just like be our authentic selves and just show up and not let anything distort or get in the way of that because we all deserve to be here and we're all here on purpose so like it should be harmonic <laughs> but, but there's a lot of distortions that are just like i've seen it on psychedelics that's just like what it looks like is like the planet has an organic grid of just like you know the way that nature works and the biosphere works and everything works in synergy and harmony together and then I've seen where like these higher intelligences have come in and like infiltrated the grid and find found like the source codes of the planet and then implemented viruses so to speak of like distorted consciousness and like separation mentality and all this other stuff that doesn't allow us to feel our natural connection and interdependence with the planet and each other and everything else that's here so I think it's important for anybody who's feeling called to go in on it just do it because um but be careful also be very be just be very aware we don't have to be scared when approaching these topics it's just be aware that the energies that we are now inviting in are very intense and they will show us what we need to show us and we have to pay attention we have to participate we have to be responsible if we're going to ask for it you know what i mean so it's it's a lot there's there's a lot going on but to bring it back to the um the isis conversation um in this in one of the books i've read um isis is referred to as like the original feminine which i think is really interesting it's supposedly like the feminine principle in like its totality i suppose or it's like isis and um in another book that i read um this book where did it go the sophia code um in that book this book is really good highly recommended for anybody oh, yeah. yes. channeled yes 100% yeah. this book was channeled i believe either in mount shasta or sedona i think it was shasta um, and she does all types of like workshops and stuff where she was before events. She's amazing. She's super amazing. Anytime like I see, I catch a video or anything of her, it's just, it's so on point. Um, but in this book, this book is basically a breakdown of all different um, divine feminine characters in history so far, uh, channelings from each of them and activations and sort of like, it's sort of like a work a workbook but it's just a work it's like a workbook for the self you know what i mean it's just a bunch of like she'll go in on like mary magdalene and like mary magdalene comes through and like gives her whole whatever she feels called to put in the book and then um there's like a whole way to work with that energy and affirmations behind each one of them green tar is in here isis is in here hathor is in here um and the Isis chapter really captured my attention when I first read it because because of the whole ancient Egypt thing and also because in here, her, according to this channeling, her story goes that 
she was the one isis was the one who was called upon in ancient egypt to carry the the, the sacred code for humanity i want to say like the entirety of the sacred code but she had a partner she had osiris and so i i believe that they both carried equal responsibility and partnership in like carrying the code um for humanity to continue evolving and continue just moving forward so a lot of what she taught was um the mystic side of life and uh initiating beings at certain times in certain ways into themselves you know what i mean all these things are like self-initiations of teaching people who they are and what they're really capable of and how they can really create in the world and utilize like their influence in their life for um, the greater good of everything and so she taught a lot of like the mystic side of it and um supposedly according to something i read supposedly um she actually i believe it was either her or hathor was the one who taught mother mary and so there was like or Mother Mary was a part of like one of their direct lineage. It was, it was most likely the Isis lineage because like I said, like even Hathor stemmed from Isis. Like Isis was said to be like the mother of all. And then like her lineage was like the strongest that's pierced through to even today, which is why we still have the mysteries um, intact in the way that they are because we have such divine channelers on the planet right now bringing through the code. Um, but when you say yeah. code, when you say code, I'm curious if you can put some sort of a informal and sort of like casual but still informative definition on what you mean by code? Yeah, so if we're thinking about life itself, the basis of everything, right? There's nothing and then there's something and the something is a spring forward and that something is seated in an in intent. So it has it has meaning behind it it has purpose of why it has sprung forward and that seed is carrying the code or the intention of like its mission and its purpose and like dna like dna is kind of a blueprint for how an organism is going to grow up and yes. yeah 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 dna is like DNA is code <laughs> DNA is code and it's code that like people in history have chosen to try and manipulate and like mess with and we have a lot of that going on on the planet right now in many different ways um but there is an organic code of the planet and that's that's what a lot of us have showed up here now to do is help to just like restore the code of the planet back to balance and harmonics by us doing it within ourselves and purifying our characters back into authentic love vibration. And then further rooting that energy in on this planet and setting those patterns forth so that other people can continue picking them up and rooting it in and spreading it. And then hopefully- I also, I also see it as activating the dormant codes in other people as well. Like somebody may have come to each of us and shown us, like the guy that I was talking about, Dylan, who gave me access in that interpretation of the star beings that he's in relationship with, right? Like he activated something in me that was not, 
capable of understanding that that we all are capable of doing that to a certain extent. Right? Yes. Yes. So activations for sure is a huge part of I've heard it be referred to like as awakening the code pretty much because like you said it's like dormant code if we're we're living our whole lives and we're we're seated to be like greatness pretty much but we're living our whole lives under the condition of everything that we've taught we've been taught and everything that we've agreed is true in life which is really holding us back from our true potential then the moment we say yes like we're we're ready for something to shift and change life will start throwing us those opportunities to awaken ourselves so that we can actually grow into who we're meant to be which is great all of us are meant to be great and we're meant to co-create greatness together getting back to the getting back to the movie for a second i i can kind of uh bring uh, bring us full circle <laughs> full circle there guys um when uh bastion gets activated um you know getting thrown into the story and believing in himself at that at that point he didn't he believed enough to to give away his power enough to stay at school all night to like invest his consciousness into this atreyu character and go along with him on his journey and Eventually, he found out that he was a Treyu and that he was capable of, um, of of standing up for himself and scaring off bullies with the help of a little luck, just a little bit of luck, just a little pinch. And um, I don't really know what a bat riding jockey or a uh, or a, uh, a racing snail have to do with anything, uh, but I really enjoyed the movie tonight, and um, I'm wondering what your guys' takeaway from the never ending story was if any go ahead jordan <laughs> yeah before you yeah. fall asleep mr furrow <laughs> yeah it was a good one um gosh i mean i was thinking about uh einstein's quote uh the imagination here i'll look it up real quick so i don't <laughs> misquote it uh imagination is more important than knowledge for knowledge is limited to all we now know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. So it's the, the realm of possibility remains endless and, and our dreams are uh, valuable. And um, the dream being virtual, virtual reality, fantasy, the root of virtual is where we also get the word virtue, which means strength in the old sense of the word and physical strength even. But, you know, now has the connotation of character, characters and stories, you know, story of life. So, yeah, life life is a, a story and then some, I think, is the, the takeaway. Um, and we can write ourselves into um, and overcome the nothing that would threaten us to sacrifice our, our dreams for um, uh, an overly narrow view about how life can be um, at, when when yeah when it's out of balance the parental thing I was thinking about yeah the, 
the sacred yeah, I find, mother I find it in... to bring it again back to um, Isis, goddess there as well. Tie that back in. So, how, how, sorry, how, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I interrupted you. So um, how is it tied back to Isis? Uh, because Bastion's mom uh, was, uh, had just passed. And so he, he, he was only getting the side of uh, the, the stereotypical businessman, you know, uh, and yeah, and, and he had to find the Empress and give her that name, uh, Moonchild. Yeah, the, the the knight, the the shine, the one who shines in the night and who goes through all the phases, the the triple goddess. Um, and yeah, Isis in the the ancient was like power of power. She she had more magic power than any other god, uh, according at, at the height of her worship whenever temples were built to her in many different places um and yeah she she had even power over fate itself and uh that wreck that being you know uh, uh, us making peace with the the, the primordial um, infinite potential that uh it, it, at least in this way was uh represented as the divine feminine so the, the empress the yeah, so that's a that's another takeaway. I don't know. There's a lot of takeaways. It's hard for me to just take one thing away. I guess it's, it's, a, another, it's, a, it's a fruitful tree. Yeah. Another thing I noticed. I don't know if you guys saw it as well, but you know, at, when Fantasia is completely gone, and um, except for the, the the few asteroids, and Falcor and Atreyu are flying through the uh, the asteroid, it kind of looks like when they make their way to the crystal. What's it called? The crystal palace or something. The ivory tower. Uh, the ivory tower. When they make their oh, way yeah. to the ivory tower, Falcor is really small in the distance, and it kind of looks like a sperm going into this gigantic glowing yoni, and the and like mm -hmm. makes its way into the yoni, and in the same way, it's kind of like something magical and amazing emerges from nothing, or from a portal of some sort, a portal of life in some way. And um, I just wanted to say real quick, my takeaway on it was uh, Morg, I think is the name of the wolf. He was talking about how he was an agent in conspiracy with the nothing because he was really interested in control. And the way that control pro proliferates is when people give in to hopelessness and despair. It makes them really easy to control. And in the same way, that's what his father was doing to him in the beginning of the story was because they were in a household filled with despair because he had lost his mom that they would impose this control 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 like want to control bastion's every uh every move and things like this and uh but the thing that, that my takeaway is that the nothing isn't real there is no such thing as no thing there is no nothing but the idea of the nothing is very real. It's like that old adage that there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And, um, and it is through the act of creation and imagination and hope that we are lifted out of fear of the nothing into a more fantastic <laughs> shared experience of life. And, um, and, and, I believe that while they're depicted as like 
dog dragons and snails and talking rocks and things like this, like that we all have a mythical quality to us as well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I grew up in the 80s and 90s and I'm glad that we have transcended this celebrity culture a little bit and that we can see each other now on Instagram and social media. And that's really weird, but like, you guys are like celebrities to me and um, and like kind of like mythological, historic, living, breathing, spiritual activators and heroes in my story. And, uh, and um, it's because you guys believe in yourselves that I believe in you. So that helps me believe in myself too. We believe in you, man. Uh, a trillion percent. What comes after a trillion? One. Quadrillion? <laughs> yeah, 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 it just goes on from there. <laughs> I guess I could have just said infinitely. <laughs> skip ahead, just skip way ahead. You know? <laughs> um, okay, takeaways, takeaways, takeaways. The movie was fucking fantastic for one. It was absolutely amazing. I kind of can't believe that was the first time that I've seen it, but I'm sure it was. <laughs> I'm just pretty sure, actually. I might have seen it when I was little and I just totally don't remember. But I think I would remember something like this because there's so many, so many good parts in this whole movie. And, um, yeah, I think main takeaways are definitely the hero's journey is a good one. Um, very depicted in throughout this movie. And so that was good to bring up. Thanks, Jordan. Cause that, I didn't even think about that. And that's like, that's key. That's huge. Um, also just that this whole alternate world of Fantasia is made of the human hopes and dreams. That's like, that's a pretty epic metaphor. Um, because the the world of Fantasia would have disappeared due to the humans being so caught up in hopelessness and despair and not even realizing it en enough to be able to actually do something about it um, until, you know, somebody who was in that state of feeling hopeless and despairing was guided to face himself and what he was and those feelings within himself to really understand them and see it in a in a totally different way he wasn't looking at himself like a warrior before but reading the story allowed him to identify with the character and relate and recognize that those those experiences were happening within him too because he's reading him about them and he's in that story so there, there's so much going on in this movie. <laughs> I really love it. Those are, those are a lot of really good takeaways because ultimately the world was saved because the tests were passed and they did what they needed to do, both Atreyu and Bastion. In their own ways, they did exactly what they needed to do and they awakened within themselves what was 
needed to face the hopelessness and despair and to diminish it out with hope and love, I suppose, courage and everything else that comes with needing to stand up to the darkness of the I don't want to say the darkness of the soul because it's just like it, the darkness just is, but you know, in in Carl Jung psycho psychology speak, it's like the shadow, so to speak. It's the the part of the self that is held in the unconscious. If we're not if we're not paying attention, we're not careful. Those traumas, those pain, all that pain and just hurt pushed into the unconscious and then manifesting in all these different ways in life. They they both went through it in their own ways, both the Treyu and Bastion, and faced within themselves what what it was and called forth what was needed in order to continue moving forward on their journey and finish their their mission. So it's uh, it's true. It's um, when the childlike Empress um, Moonchild, when she um, when she's talking to Atreyu, and Atreyu has said, um, "I failed you. I failed you." And it's because I failed you that Fantasia is gone. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "What are you? Ta- why are you so sad? You fan- you didn't fail. Um, it had you not gone on this whole um, on this whole journey, then the child, the human child, would not have come with you." And in the same way, we would not have been watching the movie if if there was not a story to be told and it wasn't very good and recommended by a friend of ours. Um, but the, yeah, that I really enjoyed and appreciated breaking the fourth wall too. And, um, and in that moment where the librarian's like, no, this one, this particular book is really deep and, and it's it's um, it's different than the other books. And then he pulls it out and it's got the same name as the movie that we're watching. It's like, mm-hmm. oh yes, yeah, so we are all going to open the book together. And so we did. Um, I did, I did want to say for anybody listening um, that not only should you have watched The NeverEnding Story just before listening to this, but um, please look up the author of the never-ending story, Michael Engie. Um, his father was, um, I'll just say really quickly, his father is a guy by the name of Edgar Engie. And the author of, of Never-Ending Story, he grew up um, during World War II, and his dad was a kamikaze fighter pilot um, that was um, enlisted in the draft during World War II. But that wasn't his life's calling. His yearning was to be a surrealist painter. So a lot of the imagery from his paintings were actually him coming to terms with the fact that he was in this war and he didn't believe in war. He was very much a pacifist, but he was forced by his nation to get behind this machine gun in an airplane during this war. And so his paintings, there are, there's probably like a hundred of them you can find if you look online. And the surrealist nature of his drawings and his paintings are so amazing. And you can trace the cult, like the, the memes that were passed on from, from Edgar Engie to Michael Engie. And if you look at his father's paintings, you'll see a lot of the seeds that were planted in the never ending story. And so I found this out the last time I watched it, like four years ago, I like was like, who wrote this? And 
this guy is next level. And I found out about that. So if you want a little bit of um, supplemental extra material uh, for The Never Ending Story, if you're a big, as big a fan of it as I am, then you'll appreciate the paintings and drawings of Edgar Engie. Um, it's kind of a deep cut there. <laughs> but um, uh, it is late. Speaking of deep cut, it is just past midnight. So I uh, want to <laughs> thank my guests here. Um, and Atara and Jordan Furrow, um, can you guys tell us where we can find you and plug Wait. anything that you want to share? I, can I get one? Can I just put in a request for clarification of what is this fourth wall you both spoke of? Oh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, I will speak very quickly on it and Jordan can elaborate. Um, so in theater, there's the, the back wall and there's the two walls that face out towards the audience. And so breaking the fourth wall is when you address the audience. Um, when, when within a fictional production, generally, you're, you're making reference to the fact that this actually is a performance and that's that. Gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you said it. You said it right there. <laughs> and it, it, I think it comes in. Uh, it's a really interesting concept. It's a very meta, meta concept. So not only did they break the fourth wall in the Never Any Story, they broke the fifth wall, um, which is uh, they're breaking the fourth wall from. Atreyu's perspective reaching out to Bastion, but then they also break Bastion's fourth wall in reaching out to Atara and Jordan and Zachary and everybody else <laughs> that watches that film. So yeah, talk totally. about next level ahead of its time content. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, that, that's the fourth wall in a nutshell. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> thanks you guys um what what uh what are your social media handles and what are you up to what do you want people to pay attention to can we go first Sarah? hey my name is atara um on instagram you can find me at spiral evolution on facebook it's under atara al rose and i'm currently working on a lot of different things but for primary, I suppose. Um, my YouTube is also under Atara Al Rose, and I'll be making more videos on there, and also making a lot more wire-wrapped art and just other all types of other forms of art that will be shared through various social medias. <laughs> so look forward to that. <laughs> And you've got one called the Serp Rhythmic Serpent? Oh yeah, Rhythmic Serpent. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and start using that too. Instagram. Rhythmic Serpent. Cool. Jordan, what are you up to these days? Uh, well, uh, yeah, just music, basically. Uh, you can follow me on Conjury Music on um, Instagram. And then my YouTube channel is uh, linked in the description there. Haven't really added too much lately. Uh, but uh, my intention is to uh, kind of revamp and get, get a little bit more focused on cre creating more content. Uh, but yeah, for now, Conjury Music, C-O-N-J-U-R-Y Music. And are you going to go live on Facebook again sometime soon? Yeah, yeah. I was really happy how it turned out. And um, yeah, I I'm going to give it a little bit more forethought this time as to like the details of 
want it to be even more entertaining you know just like it, improve it each each and every time and uh, uh and rehearse a little bit more so i don't like mess up and yeah anyway so yeah but, but I've, i'm definitely planning on doing that again it was real fun well guys thank you so much for staying up late with me on this uh on this never-ending story within a never-ending story i love you guys yeah thank you thank you good night good night Hello, much love. night good dreams Greetings and salutations to all you creatures of the night. If you're like me, you stay up late, like to have interesting conversations about the paranormal and the limits of human potential within the realms of consciousness. My name is Zachary, and me along with my co-host Jordan, we invite a lot of guests on our show to have interesting conversations. We like to dive deep into the riverbanks of consciousness and psychedelia each episode is an hallucination a journey into the realms and the data banks of human wisdom for the first eight episodes of the midnight mystics which is the name of our show uh, we will be exploring and reviewing the first eight episodes of the midnight gospel it's about psychology meditation non-attachment interdimensional space travel so if you're interested in topics like this tune in every tuesday night at midnight Stay tuned right here to Shady Pines Radio for lots of great local music, poetry, and all of the great creative minds that reside right here in Portland. You've been listening to Shady Pines Radio. Straight out of our lids. Them, they got boo bodies, hard rock Brooklyn kids. Us floor rush when they DJ booming classics. You lick the crew on the fattest hip hop record. He touched the kinks and sinks into the sounds. She frequents deep, fatter joints called undergrounds. Our funk zooms like you hit the Mary Jane. They flock to booms, man, boogie had to change. Who freaks the clips with mad amount percussion? Where kinky hair goes to unthought of dimensions. Why is it so fly? Cause hip hop kept some drama. When butterfly rock the light, loose sway boomers. What about a cut? We push it off the corner. How was the buzz entire hip hop era? Was fresh and fact since they started saying Audi. Cause funk's made fat from right beneath my hood. The pooba of the styles like miles and shit. Like 60s funky worms with waves and perms. Just sending junky rhythms right down your block. We beat to rap what key beat to lock. But I'm cool like that. 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 I'm cool. Queen be the chocolates tap to my raps. She innovates after sweet and cat naps. He at the funk club with the vibrate. Then they be crazy down with the vibe. It can't kick a plan, then a crowd burst. Me, I be digging it with the bug burst. Us, we be freaking till dawn, peace and I. He gets a stranger smile, so I say hi. What's up? Who understood? Yeah, understood the plans. Him, her, the beat, and put it to his hands. What I just flipped, let borders get loose. 
how to consume all the beaches like juice. If it's the shit, we'll lift it off the plastic. The babes will go spastic. Hip hop is a classic. Pimp play a shop, it don't matter. I'm fatter. Axe butter, how I zone. Man, Cleopatra Jones. And I'm chill like that. 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 I'm chill. I got crew kids, seven and a crescent. Us cause a buzz when a nickel bets are dealt. Him, that's my man with the asteroid belt. Fake catch a fizz from the Mr. Doodle Big. He rocks a teeth from the Crooklyn Nine Pigs. The rebirth of slick like my gangster stroll. The lyrics just like Luke come in stacks and rolls. You used to find the bug in a box with Dave. Now he boogies up your stage, plats twist the braids. And I'm peace like that. 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 Check it out, man. I groove like that. I'm smooth like that. I jive like that. I roll like that. Yeah, I'm thick like that. I stack like that. I'm down like that. I'm black like that. Yo, I funk like that. I'm fat like that. I'm in like that because I swing like that. We jazz like that. We freak like that. We zoom like that. We out. We out. We out. You don't think I'm doing this shit? You think it's some other shit going on? I'm gonna slow it down. I'm gonna slow it down a little bit so y'all can hear the pronunciation on everything I'm saying. Check it out. Time is 
punchline beam until I'm senseless. Nothing is permanent. I feel short. Give me one second. Celebrate it for the words up in my sentence. Breathing like it's endless. Beat me to the punchline beam until I'm senseless. Nothing is permanent. I feel short. We fucking with the government and telling in the court. There's lies in the stories that the media reports. Avoid the mission to put her to make it be missing. Spitting musical medicine. Listen to the rhythm here. And I'm only 17. Walking Times Square and you see me on the screen. Probably see my name on your Facebook feed. Ask whether the more that it was written about me. Living is it free? The price that I pay, I got everything but time at the end of the day. I just wanna make the music that don't make it. Put your hands up, stand up. I don't think you really understand us. Fight for the cause, die for the dream. Living to the limits when the squad's on the scene. Try to clip my wings and I still go fly. Running out of ink, I still go right. Raising the damn part of musical excellence. Rappers on the letter, what will I express? Eloquence, my album is the evidence of better than I've ever been. Train tracks, concrete, stand up on my letterman. Let it in, let it go. Anybody wanna know? Further from the truth than the places that you wanna go Other than the places that you wanna go And you never wanna know oh, oh. This life I'm living ain't got no limits I see no limits And this life we live in And the world keeps spinning This life I'm living ain't got no limits I see no limits And this life we live in And the world keeps spinning in this life I'm living and got no limits Sacrifice a lot for the world that I walk Started from the bottom and I'm giving out all that I got Break free, breakthrough, daddy got a pay through Section 8 boost, damn sick of hand skate shoes Mama said, don't let the pain of the world break you Don't listen if they tell you that you can't cause it ain't true Nobody gonna save you, stay strong Don't let nobody change you Can't imagine the places I've been Places I go in this life that I live You see in the world through your Instagram freedom while we live in the dream Strip a backpack to my back I'm under attack He said I can't even rap fast I would never backtrack Suffer for my last track Soon the days of being nothing Will be nothing but a flashback uh, Quicker than a stage playing Quidditch Around the rail from the city to the village Vilify the heroes and glorifying the villains And redefining limits of painting a new image No heirs to the thrones so the yours if you take it It's breathtaking This music do we make it And this is my path Never let my destiny be written by my circumstances This life I'm living ain't got no limits. I see no limits. This life we live in. And the world keeps spinning. This life I'm living ain't got no limits. I see no limits. This life we live in. And the world keeps spinning. And this life I'm living ain't got no limits. One part humble to two parts vicious Revealing everything I previously kept hitting Drop a heat, got the whole crowd singing One day I'm in the clever, you stuck in the runway You'll fear what you becoming Leaving doors open, watching what I run now I can see the world and right before my eyes Time is an illusion till the day we die Everything I have and everything I'm proven to be Everything the revolution could be I can bleed into a page, claim that I'm the king I believe that you could realize your dreams stop I don't run away from what you should be chasing The change that you've been praying for is starts from within Make this the moment that your life begins Time is an illusion It flows so faster The more that we forget to enjoy So baby won't you slow down We can get it just from set When you're running Just running around this life we live in, and the world keeps spinning. This life I'm living ain't got no limits. I see no limits. This life we live in, and the world keeps spinning. This life I'm living ain't got no limits. Yeah, 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 yeah.